Thank you, Pastor. Everybody say praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. It's a great joy to be here this morning on the Sunday morning to come and worship God. I like Sunday mornings. I like Sunday mornings. Amen. I think uh, there are Sunday morning surprises that God likes to give sometimes. Amen. Sometimes we think, you know, it's just a morning service. It's just the morning, you know, but uh, he's, he's had these things already organized, homogenized, and all uh, the eyes about it to make sure that you are here. It's a privilege to be here with you. Thank you, Pastor Paulson, for allowing us to be here. We give honor to him and First Lady and uh, this local church. Thank all of you who worked so hard yesterday for the training session. It was good. The servers were incredible. Give them a big hand. Amen. They, they made sure I had honey in my coffee. And uh, I think I drank about seven cups of coffee yesterday, so I was a little bit over-caffeinated. Or, uh, I certainly wasn't deflated, but I was over-caffeinated, but it was good. Amen. And I already had a couple of them today. I took one early morning, and then I walked down to Starbucks and got one to kind of middle of the day. And then Pastor fixed me a nice one in his office, so... I didn't know he's such a coffee connoisseur, so uh, amen. It's a great joy to be here. It's a privilege for my wife and I to be here with you this Sunday to worship God. I feel something great in this place. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. So I'm excited about what God's going to be doing. Amen. I'm excited about North Dakota and the great work that you guys are doing in this state. Amen. Uh, when Brother Mole said that all of your kids get to go to youth camp free, Man, that ought to make you give a lot of money for SOC. I mean, you don't get anything free anymore. You know that. And if uh, anybody tells you that, that, that it's free, I get all kind of calls now. Since I went past 65, they want to give me a Medicaid supplement. You get all these things free with it. And I'm thinking, you, you don't get all that stuff free. Surely you don't. They've been calling me lately about some kind of food card that I could get food. And I'd certainly love to do that. But... I'm afraid in the long run it may cost me more than what I would eat anyhow. So great joy to be here with you. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. I don't see a clock on the back, so that tells me you don't really care what time you get out. The only problem is I do. I care. So uh, I don't, I don't want to ever be uh, considered as a long-winded preaching. So uh, you can't ask for forgiveness enough if you go too long. But you can't ask for forgiveness if you go too short. So that's it. So amen. If you have your Bible, stand with us. I think we got all of our stuff for the sound room. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. I can read it out of my Bible or you can put it on the screen for me. There we go. They're saving my glasses so I don't have to use these glasses. Amen, amen. Anybody glad to be here today? Anybody believe that God's got something for you today? <laughs> Amen. While Medicare may not give everything free, there is something you can receive here today that you could carry home with you. Amen. In the book of Matthew, chapter 20, 14 and 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Everybody say, Jesus was walking on the sea. Amen. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. 
He's walking on the water. They're afraid. They're fearful. And Jesus says, it is I, be not afraid. But in the next verse, Simon Peter, the spokesman on the day of Pentecost, says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, he just told him in verse 27, it is I, be not afraid. And then Simon Peter says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Verse 29, and we'll be done. And he said, come. Everybody say come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. How many of you believe that Peter actually walked on the water? I believe you did. Tonight, or this morning, and not tonight, we don't have a tonight service. I'll be back in St. Louis tonight sometime. So anyhow, amen. I want to talk to you on this subject that if you will step out, God will step in. Say it with me. If you will step out, God will step in. Now I want you to turn around and tell your pew or your seat, you're not gonna make me sit here all day. So would it be okay if you feel it any time in this service that the Holy Ghost is moving, that you'll just step out? Will you, will you do that tonight, today? All right, well, clap your hands. Pastor, would you pray? Jesus, we love you. God, have your way in this place today. God, that your anointing would flow. God, that we would receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands and you may be seated today. Hey, let's give it up for our praise singers doing a great job today, helping us to enter into his presence, hallelujah. The scripture that I read for you is really a story about Simon Peter walking on the water. But before those things happen, there are things that has to happen before a great miracle can take place. Jesus was there and he said he sent the disciples to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and he said, I'll meet you there. And from there he went up into the mountain to pray and uh, he sent the multitudes away before that. So without any question mark, Jesus knew exactly where the disciples were. So prayer is involved in anything that we do and we do supernaturally it has to come through prayer. One of the key things about this story is that Jesus never lost sight of his disciples. While they were out on the water and they were going to the other side and with full, uh, uh, full anticipation of meeting him on the other side. And so as they got out in the ship and they started going across the Sea of Galilee, I have had the privilege to see the Sea of Galilee three times. If you've never been to the Holy Land, you need to go. Amen, it's about 10 miles long and it's widest place, about six miles. It's a pretty good portion of water out there on the Sea of Galilee. And so once you get out in the middle, you can't really see where you came from and where you're going to. It's a pretty a wide, wide vast of water that was there. So the disciples, as they were uh, rowing the ship and going across, the wind started blowing, but the disciples, wind didn't bother them because they were very skilled fishermen. So wind was easy to navigate. Then the waves started coming, and believe it or not, the disciples were very skilled and navigated about the waves coming in. Wind and waves did not bother them. But when somebody came walking across the water, something caused them to fear. 
and they were sore afraid and they were all afraid of what was happening and taking place. Now I've had a lot of friends that come to Pentecostal churches and they say, well, I like all your singing, I like all your, your, your preaching, man, but when that spirit starts moving, when that spirit starts flowing, I just don't know what to do. Well, today I'd like to give you the answer to what to do. For when they saw the spirit coming across the water, Jesus was walking on the water. Now what the Bible doesn't tell us is, how could they see Jesus if it's dark? It's before the day of electricity. It's before the day of, of generators. All they would have would be candle or some kind of light that's there, no battery light. And with wind and waves going, it's highly likely that they would not even have any light at all. But ladies and gentlemen, in my mind, I see him coming across and he's just fulfilling his word because he said, I am the light of the world. He was glowing when he came across the water. And when he came across the water, they were afraid and cried out for fear. But when Jesus heard them say that, he said these words, it is I, be not afraid. And when he said that, that's when Simon Peter said, Lord, if it's you, I want you to bid me to come. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I know you're looking at this wondering what in the world does this mean? I gotta confess to you, Jesus just said, it is I, be not afraid. And so Peter said, well, Lord, if it really is you, if it is you, I want you to bid me to come. And then Jesus spoke the words, come. It was at this moment, ladies and gentlemen, that I think I had the spirit of Simon Peter. Now, I don't know how you feel. I'm excited when I hear about miracles on the foreign soul. When I hear about blinded eyes open, I get excited. When I hear about the dead raised, I like that. When I hear about arms that were, 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 were shrunk and all of a sudden they were made whole, I like all of that kind of stuff. Ears that I've never heard all of a sudden started listening. Ladies and gentlemen, I like Simon Peter. We're glad for all those miracles, all right? Up until this time, Simon Peter saw Jesus do miracles, raise the dead, heal the sick. He saw every part of it. But Simon Peter at this moment said, Lord, if it's you, I'm tired of watching you do miracles. I wanna be a part of the miracle. And so Jesus said, come. And Simon Peter stepped out. And when he stepped out, God stepped in. I just wanna tell you this morning, I got this kind of feeling. God's ready to step in your situation if you are ready to step out. Notice, he did not say, Peter, come. He just said, come. What could have happened was all 12 of them should have got out and walked on the water. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're tired of seeing miracles happen in somebody else's family and not in yours, it's time for you to step out. It's time for you to step out. I'm looking at the other 11 disciples, which may have been teenagers. They were saying, man, how is he doing that? I didn't think anybody could walk on the water but God himself. Simon Peter is walking on the water. And the other 11 was wondering, what's happening? And they were watching what was taking place. But Jesus just said, come. 
Now, this is the hidden secret of an apostolic service. You know what? We may think that just because a visitor shows up, they don't have any access to the presence of God, but they do. This could be your first service. God could fill you with the Holy Ghost. They could baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ and you could get a miracle today. It's just dependent on you or whether you're gonna step out so he can step in. Come on, somebody clap your hands to the Lord today. I'm gonna go through a few things in the word of the Lord and I hope you'll just stick with me just a little while, all right? Amen, this is a principle by which God operates. I think he can chase you. I think he can run you into a corner, but until you step out, nothing's gonna happen. It was Israel that was about to cross the Jordan River, if you please. Joshua led them as far as they could in Joshua chapter three. And then he told the priest and he says, and as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priest that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all of his banks this time of harvest, that the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed across on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. This story was they were about to cross the Jordan River. I saw it three times. It's probably not as wide as this church during regular season, but during flood season, it could be as far as 100 yards wide or more. And the priests were carrying the most holiest things that Israel belonged. And Joshua said, march across. Every one of the priests probably thought, oh no, we don't know where the bottom is. We don't know what's gonna happen. But when they stepped out, as soon as their soles and their feet touched the waters, the waters parted. And the priest went into the middle of the Jordan River and stopped there. And Israel went across on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Somebody stepped out and God stepped in. Don't depend always on pastor to do everything. Sometimes you gotta step out and believe. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord today. I may be in trouble, but the story of Daniel and the lion's den's got a lot more to it than what you think. It's got a lot more to it, amen. Amen, the story was plainly, if you, you cannot pray to any other God than the God of the heathen. Daniel got up every day and started praying to his God. He started stepping out every morning, stepping out every noon, stepping out every night. And if you don't stop doing that, we're throwing you into the lion, not the lion's den, but the den of lions, which actually had lions in it. And when they went to that place and the king brought them before, brought Daniel before the council and said, you're not worshiping the God of the Chaldeans, so we've gotta throw you into the lion's den. Ladies and gentlemen, if I understand this right, I personally believe that when they led Daniel Hall all tied up and roped up, when they got to the edge of the lion's den, I think he looked left and looked right and then he jumped out. He took the big step out and went down into the lion's den. And the Bible said that the lion's mouth had been shut. But did you know there's more, than a, there's more to him, a lion than his mouth? He could have shredded them with their claws, but not only were they mouths shut, their legs were frozen. 
Y'all know about that in North Dakota, don't you? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the key to this story was not that he prayed every day, it was that he stepped out. If it's your God's versus my God, I'm stepping out. If it's your thought, uh, my thought, I'm stepping out. And when he stepped out, God stepped in. I just wonder who walked in today. He's ready to step in for you. Well, the rest of the story was he came back out. They threw the folks that threw him in there. And before they could hit the bottle, ladies and gentlemen, they had chewed and gnawed and ate up all those folks that had thrown him in there. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord today. The next one, I'm gonna use the Bible on you, okay? There were the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abinigot. I mean, Abinigot, excuse me. They were told when we play the music, when we make the sound, you gotta bow down and worship gods of the kingdom. And it was there, if you wanna make it plain and simple, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, we're not bowing down. We're not kneeling to your gods. I don't care what you do. But then they told him that if you don't, we're throwing you into the fiery furnace. And so the king got a little bit upset and angry about what took place. Let me read to you what the Bible says in Daniel 3, 22 and 23. Therefore the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot and the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Wait a minute. They're about to be thrown in the fire. But when the door came open, guess who burnt? The men who tried to throw them in there. And the scripture says from here on out, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the midst of the burning furnace. And all of a sudden, when they went down in the furnace, all the chains, all the ropes that they had wrapped them up, they were free. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. And the king looked in there expecting to see three burned items. And he said, did we not throw three in the fiery furnace? But behold, I see four. And the fourth one has the appearance of the son of God. Could I help you out a little bit? The king was wrong. He will never be the fourth in any fire. He was the first in the fire. Could it be that you are this, just this far away, three feet away from your miracle, one step away to see the supernatural happen in your life? Come on, somebody clap your hands to the Lord. I think I'm safe to say that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out and God stepped in. Can you say hallelujah? Stand to your feet. Let's give God some praise, would you? Hallelujah. You can be seated. Mark chapter three, verse one through five. I think we got the scriptures up there. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there with a withered hand. So they watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. 
And he said unto the man with the withered hand, say it with me, step forward. Uh, can I go ahead and put it in my language? Step out. <laughs> he told them to step forward. Then he said unto them, Jesus is saying, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around them with anger, everybody say, Jesus got angry. The Bible tells us, be angry, but sin not, right? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Get it all taken care of before you go to bed at night. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as others. The key to this story was not the miracle that took place. The key to the story was he asked the man to step out. And when he stepped out, God stepped in. Now, I, I, I'm sure all you guys are super spiritual people. I'm just visiting here today, trying to be nice and sweet and kind if possible. But if you ever hang around the folks that gripe and complain about everything that goes on in church, it's your time to step out, get away from them. Come on, you're gonna have those things in your life. You just gotta realize that, hey, I just gotta step out. I had a guy in my church, he got the Holy Ghost. He was a little simple guy, but got the Holy Ghost. And all of his family start telling him, the crazy folks at Pentecostal Church, you, you, you need to get out of there, stop that. Every day he was bombarded with that, every day that he lived. Until he decided when church time came, he got in his car and he came to church. And when he came to church, after a little while, he said, I'm tired of listening to my family. He stepped out on the aisle, he started dancing. He started giving God praise and started thanking God for what has happened. He said, my family's trying to tell me not to stay away from here, but I'm stepping out every chance I get. And when he stepped out, God stepped in. Hey, I don't care what the world sends your way, you better step out sometimes. Come on, stand to your feet right now. I want you to step out from where you are to say, God, I believe there's a miracle coming my way. There's a power coming my way. Let me, let me be playing with you. I think he can do a miracle where you're sitting, but he's waiting on you to decide, am I gonna just stay in my pew or am I gonna step out in the aisle? Sometimes you have to step out and believe. sometimes you gotta look negative in the eye and say I believe I'm healed I believe I'm delivered I believe I'm set free hey I, I like doctors I just don't believe them all the time when I was five years old I got ran over by a truck and I was paralyzed my pelvis bone was crushed the doctor said he'll never walk again. But my mother, who was an apostolic woman, kept saying, oh doctor, you don't know where I go to church. He said, I don't care where you go to church, that boy will never walk again. Five days I was there. I told the nurse, 
Can you let me put my legs off the side of the bed? I said, oh, no, no, you can't move. You're, you're, you have no pelvis bone to, to depend upon. But I threw my legs off the bed. I said, come over and help me. We can't do it. I got out of the bed without them. I started walking. They started calling doctors and nurses and all the folks inside of there. Some little five-year-old kid named Steve is walking in his room. When my mama came in, she told him, I've got 10 kids and none of them are afflicted and Steve's not gonna be the one that's afflicted. My mom stepped out. My mom stepped out. They ran some x-rays on me and said, Miss Cannon, we don't know what happened, but he had some kind of surgery. He's got all new pelvic bones. We have no breaks of any bones inside of his body. But our first view was he was all powder. And she said, my God comes through when we step out. I think sometimes you gotta look at the bank account and say, I don't agree with you. God's got some blessings coming our way. Sometimes you gotta tell the devil, you'll never prosper, he'll tell you, I'm stepping out anyhow. Yeah, can I go ahead and say, North North Dakota's secret is that you guys have been given and God's never gonna turn his back on you. He's gonna remember you. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. You, You can be seated. Didn't mean to wake you up. Go ahead and take your nap. She was taking one. Got a picture of a little girl. I'll show a three-year-old girl. Hey, man, God's been good to us. I've been able to be at every, every uh, district, every state in the United States and every province in Canada at least twice. God has been good to us. We've had Holy Ghost rallies. Most of them I preached at and, and somewhere in their district. I was doing a Holy Ghost rally in Mesquite, Texas. And I was telling them throughout the course of my ministry the last 11, 12 years, I'd already seen two, three-year-olds get the Holy Ghost. I'd saw them, they were in their mother's arms and they were speaking in tongues. I said, I can't verify that, but you can. And they said, yes, they are speaking in tongues. They are getting the Holy Ghost at age three. Now, I know that may come against you, but I mean, I've saw two, three-year-olds, but this little girl's mother, this is a special girl. As soon as she was big enough, a little Spanish girl, when they would come to pray, she would come up around the front and pray with everybody else. She had never got the Holy Ghost before, but she had watched other people get it. She'd come and watch everything that was going on in the altar service. And when I told that crowd, I've seen two, three-year-olds, guess what her mother told her? Brother Cannon saw two three-year-olds and you're three-year-old. That's not stepping out yet, but she said, tonight is going to be your night. (laughs) She stepped out when the little girl couldn't step out for herself. The next slide, she came down to the altar and I told him, I said, when you feel God's presence, throw your hands up in the air. I wasn't over there close by her, but her mother was. When she lifted up her hands, she started speaking in a brand new language. It wasn't my sermon. It wasn't my ability. But a mama stepped out and God stepped in. 
You got backslidden children, don't give up on them. Step out in the aisle sometime and say, I'm not shouting for me, I'm shouting for my kids. I'm shouting for my lost loved ones. I'm shouting because I need to. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. So all I can tell you is if you got a three-year-old, I've already seen three. Can God fill them at three? I believe he can. The only thing I like to tell you is that if they get it at three, tell them keep coming back. Keep coming back for refills. Maybe you ought to tell them you ought to, our kids ought to treat that altar like we treat our gas stations. We got little lights on them and said you need a refill. Or maybe you want to do it for your stomach. When your stomach tells you I'm hungry, you need a refill. Well, this happened in my family not too long ago. Well, it's been almost 12 years ago. My baby girl was about to have her last child. She was going into the room and to have the baby, they were having all the, the dad, all the sisters were there. Guess what grandparents do? We have to sit out in the uh, waiting room and wait and wait and wait. So my middle girl, who is a pastor's wife now, was visiting with my baby daughter and she's about six months pregnant, waiting. She wanted to hear what it was like to hear that baby's first words. When the doctor slipped out of the room, she slipped into the bathroom inside of the delivery room and shut the door. Everybody else had to leave, but she had already slipped in, hung out in the bathroom, saying, I wanna hear the first words when that baby comes out. To make a long story short, came time for the baby to be delivered. The baby was born, and the cord was wrapped around the baby's neck so tight until she came out blue. And when she came out, the nurses started working on the child, and they could not get the child to start breathing. And about that time, my middle girl opened up the bathroom door and walked over where the nurses were. And she eased her hand up on the nurse's shoulders and said, in the name of Jesus. And when the nurses says, we're all, we can't do anything else. The doctor came down for the final word. And she tried to get the baby to breathe. The doctor tried and there was nothing that they could do but then my daughter moved over to where the doctor was. And she said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I speak life to this child. And when she said the word life, the baby opened up her lungs and she began to cry and she began to scream out. Ladies and gentlemen, somebody stepped out and God stepped in. Miracles may happen in your pew, but sometimes you gotta get out. Sometimes you gotta get to moving. Sometimes you gotta step into a new dimension. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's give Jesus some praise, would you? The singers are coming. preach a lot of the word, but I tell a lot of stories, okay? Right. I hope it's okay. That little girl now is, 
Hallie Ray. She'll be 12 years old and soon. Amen. What a beautiful child she is. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. Anybody ready to step out? I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're going through. But whatever hell's sending at you, just step out in the midst of all the fire and the lion's den and the doctor saying no and the doctor saying it's impossible and believe God. This next story is a good story and a bad story. I have a friend that's a pastor and he pastors in a location. And... Uh, they're in an old National Guard armory and they had to walk upstairs to go to the church and walk downstairs from the outside to go to the Sunday school area. And so not long after he got there, he started noticing there's drug paraphernalia on the steps going down. There was needles, all these kind of things that was there and it just continued to get worse and worse. And every Sunday he would show up and he'd have to clean the steps off because, you know, kids would pick up a needle and just stab each other, you know? Just one of those kind of things that they do. Or they could hit it with their foot and they could be affected by the needles that was there. And so uh, he got tired of the pastor did. He started thinking all the negative things that he could. He started saying, you know what? Soon as I find out who it is, I'm calling 911. We're calling the cops and we're gonna put them in jail. He's got all these anger feelings in his heart and he's just thinking one day, whenever it's gonna happen. So he camped out one weekend. And he came out of the downstairs Sunday school department and walked out, there was needles everywhere and there was a man that was there that was putting drugs in between his toes. That was the only spot left that he had that he could actually put drugs in his system. And when he came out, the pastor was very angry. Sir, you don't know that our children walk this way every Sunday. They could be hurt. You, they could be affected. It could kill them. And he went through all the details and he said, I want you to get out of here and I don't want you to ever come back. He said, I'm thinking I'm about calling the police right now. And he started just chewing him out with everything he could. Then all of a sudden the drug dealer looked at him and he said, Sir, I've been doing drugs for a long, long time. And I thought that I saw a name of a church out here and I was hoping that somebody may want to help me. And when he said that, the pastor kind of dropped his head like, okay, I was about ready to kill you, shoot you, and then say we were self-defense, whatever. You want some help? So he opened up his Bible and did a Bible study with the drug dealer. Started talking about Jesus. He said, I never heard of this kind of stuff before. I've never been to a church. I don't know what it's all about. I don't even know what you guys believe. He started teaching my Bible study. Devoted to time, he said, just don't ever come back here and do drugs. We'll do a Bible study. He started teaching him. Then all of a sudden, he showed up at church one day and he heard the preacher preaching and he got to thinking, man, well, I don't understand what you guys are even doing around here, but I'm certainly glad I'm here. The preacher preached about repentance one day and he told him that if he would repent of his sins, God would wash away all of his sins. And he the drug dealer said, are you kidding me? He would do that for me? And he rolled up his arms. Brother Pastor Paulson, it looked like somebody had a hot rake and it went up and down his arms. It was, it was like all kind of, uh, all, all kind of uh, 
uh, marks all over his arms. He just looked horrible. He said, you think God could forgive me for all this stuff? He said, yes. He'll forgive you of all those sins. Came back the next Sunday and he preached to him again about water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. When you repent of your sins and you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins will be remitted and forgiven. He heard it all he could stand. He caught the preacher after church and said, are you sure you're right about that stuff about water baptism and repentance? Would that take away my sins? The preacher says, oh yes, he'll take them away. Came the next Sunday and he said, Pastor, if what you preach is real, next Sunday I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But before he went out, he said, are you sure now that that's really going to work for me? I mean, you look, look at these arms. I've had a horrible, are you sure? And the pastor says, oh yes, I'm sure. Sunday came to be baptized. They got all the stuff ready for water baptism. Take your place. Pastor called on somebody to say a special prayer over the drug dealer, the drug dealer that was in the baptistry. And while they prayed, the drug dealer says, are you sure this is going to work? Don't lie to me, preacher. And he said, it's going to work. And so he went through the motions Said upon the confession of your faith and obedience to the word of God, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And he put him down in the water. And when he came up, he looked around and said, it worked, it worked, it worked. The preacher was right, it worked. The preacher had to step out over his pride, over his anger. And when he stepped out, God stepped in. After he stopped splashing water, after he stopped acting crazy, he said, preacher, you don't see what I see. He said, what do you, what do you see that I don't see? He rolled up his choir robe and in his arms were no scars. God had totally forgiven him of everything he had ever done in his life. He thought, my sins are these. And God had done it. Will he do it again? Yes, he will. Will he wash away your situation? Yes, he will. If somebody could step out this morning, God would be ready to step in. Oh, lift your hands. Come on. You need a miracle. Step out in the aisle. You need a touch from God. Step out. Hell's been coming against you. Step out. I feel something great here today. There's miracles in the house. Step out. He's ready to step in. Step out. He's ready to step in. Somebody just step out, would you? Just step out. I want you to believe this morning. Your past may have been drug-ridden. Our Jesus is here to forgive you. They say this mountain, it just can't be moved.
Come on, lift up your hands. You need to